0: And innovation here Let's go to our ring
1: announcers Welcome to the show That brings you all things nostalgia In the world of professional wrestling It is now time To go Beyond the bell.
2: Welcome back, wrestling fans, to the show that turns back the clock as we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. This is Beyond the Bell via the SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, ring announcer, broadcaster, host, fan, and just lover of professional wrestling. So we have now reached, like we mentioned a couple episodes ago, the one-year mark here at Beyond the Bell. Before we joined the SNS Radio Network, we debuted in early March, and now we've hit over a year. We've grown so much in the past year. Our listenership has grown so tremendously, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you to even also be nominated, to even be nominated for a Wrestling Radio Show Award. I am so privileged and honored, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for granting me even... It's It sounds cheesy, but it's an honor to even be nominated. It truly is. So, fans, during the WrestleMania month, over 10 hours of WrestleMania audio, I think it's only fitting to rebroadcast, remaster, and redistribute the first ever episode of Beyond the Bell. And it's so fitting because we look back at the WrestleMania dream card. We'll talk about the rules in just a moment, but I thought it would be perfect after our one-year anniversary to go back and relive the first ever edition of Beyond the Bell. So bear with me, fans, as, as it was my first edition. I may be a little bit rough around the edges for my first show. So it's great to compare the debuting Sean Beckerman to the one year experienced podcaster Sean Beckerman. So let's jump right to it, fans. The WrestleMania Dream Card, the first edition of Beyond the Bell. This edition's theme is the WrestleMania Dream Card. The rules are simple. There's nine matches total that we're going to discuss in this episode. Each match, I'll give my opinions of why I believe it's on my list of a dream card for WrestleMania. And we'll have some exclusive audio or exclusive comments from the superstars involved in those matches. The WrestleMania Dream Card will consist of matches that have taken place in the 26 years of Wrestlemania history. Our locker room is filled with every single superstar that has participated in a match at Wrestlemania. There is one main rule, a superstar can make only one appearance during the Wrestlemania Dream Card, so we have to be very selective of which match to choose for a specific superstar, Hall of Famer, and legend.
3: Have you ever experienced that one defining moment in life? That extraordinary event that captures your heart and lives in your soul until the day you die. For these men and women, WrestleMania is that moment. A 20-foot ring of canvas and steel is their stage and their battlefield. For some, it feels like home. Once inside these ropes, a moment can last for a lifetime. The reward for success can be great, but the price of failure is always devastating. It is on this grand stage called WrestleMania where dreams become reality, athletes forge legacies, mortals become legends.
1: Opening matchup for the Wrestlemania Dream Card is Captain Charisma Christian against Y2J Chris Jericho from Wrestlemania 20. I believe this match is a great
2: opening contest to kick things off for the Wrestlemania Dream Card. This was the third match on the card for Wrestlemania 20 and it was between Captain Charisma Christian and Chris Jericho. The match centered around both men furiously attacking each other, and it was mainly centered around their love interest at the time, one Trish Stratus. It initially began with both men vying for her, you could say, attention, which led to a bet between the two of which one could actually get Trish Stratus. As... The weeks went on. We saw Chris Jericho actually develop some feelings for one Miss Trish Stratus. So going into this match, Madison Square Garden, the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania, big-time show, big-time event, we all were anticipating Chris Jericho and possibly Trish Stratus coming together, and this match came about with both men going after one Trish Stratus. So what happened was Trish Stratus hit Jericho in the face with her elbow, thinking Jericho was Christian. Which allowed Christian to roll him up for the one-two-three victory. But this match was back and forth. The crowd was really into this match. I was there live, and the heat on on both competitors, but more so Christian because we saw Jericho so, show some signs of, of you know, being a babyface here. But what happened was Trish Stratus hits Chris, hits Chris Jericho. Christian rolls him up for the one-two-three. Following the match. Trish Stratus turned on Chris Jericho, slapping him several times in the face, allowing Christian to hit him for his finishing move, the unprettier. unprettier. And right there we saw the change, the turn. Trish Stratus, the number one babyface diva at the time, becomes a heel. This was something new, something fresh. We actually saw Jericho show signs of becoming a babyface. And in Trish Stratus' turn into becoming a heel, in turn, Makes Chris Jericho the babyface coming out of this feud, and we saw Chris Jericho, or Christian, and Trish Stratus making out afterwards on the ramp. But I really felt this matchup was was a hot match. The crowd was into it the entire time, and I truly feel that this is a great opening contest to kick things off for the WrestleMania dream card.
0: I think Jericho must be asking the same question I am: What the hell is going on here? Look at these two. Look at it. Christian's arm around her. And look at that smile on her face. Oh my God! Oh for God's sakes! The two top tango. Look, Jr. <laughs> look at that. Are you telling? Are you telling me the CLB is, has has gotten this beautiful woman? To, she's smitten. Look at her. She's in love.
1: The following matchup is for the WWE. Championship, the next big thing, Brock Lesnar versus professional wrestling's only Olympic gold medalist and the WWE champion, Kurt Angle. During
2: the year 2002, many big things happened for the WWE, but in 2001, the World Wrestling Federation Bought its major competitor in WCW and scooped up its remains of the dying Extreme Championship Wrestling, and immediately immediately after WrestleMania eighteen, the then WWF decided to expand their touring schedule and then divide into separate brands, where wrestlers would be drafted to either Raw or SmackDown. So in turn, instead instead of having WCW and the WWF, they had Raw and SmackDown all under the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, umbrella. Then about a month later, uh, the WWF, which was, you know, that's what everyone knew it at the time, before the E, went under their name change to the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment. Thanks to, of course, we know the World Wildlife Fund. But in early 2003, the company started to find its groove in and insta- in establishing those two brands and dividing those two brands. And in turn they had two separate champions. Instead of having one undisputed championship, we all know they now had the World Heavyweight Championship, which was the WCW title in, in turn, and the WWE Championship, the former World Wrestling Federation title. So by the time WrestleMania 19 came around in late, uh, late March of 2003, uh, there was a lot more main event available, top talent you could say, spots as both brands... Were separate. Um, and since each championship was separate. There was more opportunity. For champions to. to or challengers to vie. For those championships. Uh, but ultimately. What happened was. With The Rock. You know we know. Facing Stone Cold Steve Austin. In Wrestlemania 19. It left spots open. But the matchup that we saw. close the show. It was not Steve Austin's final match. Against The Rock. It was actually. The. NCAA wrestling powerhouse Brock Lesnar facing the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. And it's the company's biggest prize. They still bill it to this day. The biggest prize in world wrestling entertainment is the WWE Championship which I think we'll talk about that at another podcast, which I really think there should be one championship. You combine both titles into one, makes it more valuable, and it doesn't water down the product, world title-wise. We'll get into that (laughs) on another podcast. But um, with so many talents available, it's a testament to WWE's thinking at the time where they want their their two most legitimate athletes on the roster at the time going head-to-head. Brock Lesnar had that momentum going with him. Kurt Angle was suffering from some injuries. And, you know, what actually happened was Kurt Angle had, you know, we know his neck injury in the Olympics in 1996. And he was suffering from, uh, from some nerve damage as a result. And what we saw was Kurt Angle's arm, you saw, is actually swivel, shriveled up to where it's half the size of his other arm. And it was as a result of this nerve damage. And Kurt Angle can go on to say after this match that. Uh, he actually had trouble, you know, feeling, you know, feeling parts of his body. Feeling, he lost uh, part of movement in his hand. He lost uh, feeling in in his hand as well. Uh, so that played a big role into this matchup. You know, at the time, it felt like the WWE was really going through a new phase in their history, with their new name, their initial brand extension, and the new main event stars on top of the card. It was an interesting time to be a WWE fan. You know, since then the roster expansion has you know continually been tweaked. Lesnar's out of the industry and Angle's working for T N A, as we know. Uh, but at the time this was the match. And this was the main event. This was the match everyone was looking for. Ever since Brock Lesnar came on the scene, and everyone was praising, you know, his accomplishments being NCAA champion, his his amateur wrestling wrestling background and his history. Now moving on to M- MMA, becoming a top star there. But this was the matchup everyone wanted to, to see. And. The matchup, I think, was it was an excellent contest. The the ending with Brock Lesnar going for the Shooting Star Press and basically landing on the back of his neck, almost paralyzing himself. If his neck wasn't the size as it is, a normal man would have been paralyzed after that move. But uh, you can see Brock Lesnar was was definitely out of it towards the end of the match setting up the F5, 1, two, three, Brock Lesnar, your brand new WWE champion, to close out the show. But I think this was a true testament to the WWE looking past and looking at new stars to headline WrestleMania. And this is definitely deserving to be a part of the WrestleMania dream card.
3: Brock and I could have uh, had a lot better match, but I think he, was a, he had so many worries that night. And then when he landed on his head and uh, I didn't even think he was going to be able to finish the match huh. so I figured um, no I'm going to hold the title another month huh. you know and I'll put off my surgery you know? Right. so uh, it, the good thing is thank God he came out of it and thank God he's able to hit his finish I think it actually helped the match that he that he didn't make it when he landed on his head you know a lot of people remember that it's you know it was and it actually when you watch on TV it kind of looks like I moved out of the way so right when he landed he actually hit me and I moved so it was, it was actually, uh, it wasn't funny, but it was, um, it was pretty amazing that it actually happened that way.
0: Looking back at that match, do you think Vince should have uh, not let you wrestle, knowing all the pain that you were going through at the time? or? I chose to
3: wrestle um, Vince wanted me to go out two weeks before that and have Brock just give me an F5 and pin me. Like in literally 15 seconds. Right. Or a minute or whatever. And I, and I was gonna do it, and then I had my neighbor who has Down syndrome, his name's Johnny Sretti, he came to me and he said, I really wish you were wrestling WrestleMania, and he showed me the front cover of TV magazine, and me and Brock facing each other, and I cried, and I was like, man, my first main event, and I can't go. And I thought, you know what, if I am gonna have my last match, if Brock's gonna have 5 me, he might as well beat the heck out of me, period. So I called Vince that night and I said, hey, I'm gonna do WrestleMania, that'll be my last match. So instead of uh, doing, doing a favor for Brock during SmackDown, that's when me and my brother switched places and Brock hit right. Eric, and I ended up rolling Brock up. That was the week before Mania. Uh, I, I was supposed to lose that week. Instead, we pushed it back to WrestleMania so I'd have my final match. That was my decision. Vince McMahon had nothing to do with that. He he just said, are you sure you want to do that? And I said, yes.
1: Hardcore match. The hardcore legend, Mick Foley versus the rated-R superstar, Edge from WrestleMania 22. The hardcore legend, Mick Foley,
2: a part of this card, as well as a man that I really feel is not undervalued, but I I really feel that he is the backbone for World Wrestling Entertainment and the World Wrestling Federation the past 10 years or so, and that is the Rated-R Superstar Edge. You know, he's he's been with the company for a long time now, and he's performed at such a tremendous level, and he really was elevated to main event status a few years ago, and he he, he picked up the ball and he ran with it. He is such a great heel, he's such a great character. He has such capabilities to tell a story you know, at, for big time matches and big time events. He's that he has that veteran presence. He's held a bajillion amount of championships. He has led the WWE through multiple errors, through the, the TLC errors, through you know, Edge of Christian, ENC. He has been there through it all. Attitude error to now the PG error. Edge has been able to transition his character multiple times flip from heel to baby face back to heel and he's done it in style. He's come back from a tremendous Achilles injury and he really is a big player in this day and age of professional wrestling. So him against Mick Foley I, I, I truly feel is deserving of a dream card matchup because Edge at this point was on the cusp of becoming a main eventer and this match really helped him along. Uh, cement him as a future main eventer and future star in the WWE and Mick Foley throughout his all, all of his accomplishments in professional wrestling he never had that Wrestlemania moment and this was his opportunity to to gain that Wrestlemania moment him quote unquote retiring he was in the main event of Wrestlemania 2000, Wrestlemania 16 in that fatal four way match with McMahon in every corner but this match really was his opportunity to give him that moment and Joey Styles called it oh my god that spear through that flaming table was a tremendous spot that'll be shown for years to come in WrestleMania WrestleMania highlight packages so you know near the end of the match Foley had edge in control but he pulled out the table Lita then hit Foley in between the legs with a barbed wire bat and then we saw her light the table on fire, which allowed Edge to perform the spear to Foley through the through the ring ropes onto the flaming table to the outside, and then he pinned Foley for the victory, giving Edge that, that escalation, that, that victory needs to be escalated to a main event status, giving Mick Foley that main event moment, and having that ability to cement Mick Foley's image at WrestleMania as the hardcore icon that he is, and proving the edge is a rated R superstar. All right.
0: taking
1: a look at her face look at all she can do is look on it disbelief this matchup is for the wwe championship the game triple h versus the wwe champion john cena the main event was for the wwe championship
2: between champion john cena and the game triple h Triple H came out to what we all know now as the Conan the Barbarian outfit. He came out wearing the crown and the fur, while John Cena came out with his Tommy Gun and was accompanied by a group of gangsters, one of which we know now is CM Punk, in a 1940s Chicago-era vehicle. Uh, The main event was evenly matched with both men getting the advantage over each other. Triple H tried to perform a pedigree, but it was countered by Cena into an FU. After Triple H kicked out of a two count, Cena locked them into the STFU. Triple H got to the ropes and went for another pedigree, but it was countered into the STFU by Cena. Triple H then tapped out. And as a result, Cena retained the WWE Championship. And this match really cemented John Cena as a main event player on the big stage, the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. And I believe, you know, we have our role in terms of one wrestler per match for this dream card or one wrestler per card for this dream match. And I truly feel that we all know Triple H had a great match with The Undertaker, and, Triple H and Shawn Michaels had a great match with John Cena. But between these two, these two had open spots available on the card. I truly feel that this was a major point in John Cena's career, cementing himself as a major player and true WWE champion and and the new face of the company. When everyone thought, oh, Triple H, this is it, time for Cena to job to Triple H, that wasn't the case. John Cena went over in a match that was back and forth, People chanting "Let's go, Cena!" Cena sucks. Uh, Triple H chants. The crowd was really into this match, but this—I really felt this was the time or this was the moment John Cena was cemented as a main event player.
0: <laughs> on the, champion. the best one has got to be over. It is over. One, two, three. its over Was
3: it
0: has been more than a three count. of 22, well, this WWE title intact. She had over 17,000 feet of people, and they're all on their feet. Except for the game. And Cena's brains got scrambled. Wait, Shayna, the game out. F.U. F.U. Big time F.U. kicking out of the FU. What does he do now, JR? You keep battling. You keep fighting. Think about what's at stake. Uh-oh. The longest tenure championship title in WWE oh, Cena. God, that's not in your repertoire. What are you doing? Cena left the street and went to the air. Big mistake. It's going to cost him the title. Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Cena's Hello. Whoa, 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 STFU, that step over cross base. See, there's nothing, there's no to move on and the he's game. Got the game going on, where the game, can I get to the ropes? WWE Title the stake here. Look at this. This could be the match, it's all on the line. Can the game, hold on. John Cena. John Cena is the WWE Champion. A fighting WWE Champion.
1: Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Champion Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental Championship. From Wrestlemania 3. Sometimes in
2: professional wrestling, a match reaches almost mythical standards. Every once in a while, a wrestling match comes along that transcends any storyline, any event, and just becomes a standalone feature. It becomes a match that every person who calls themselves a wrestling fan needs to see at least once, if not dozens and dozens of times. It becomes a match that you can show other people, friends, family, your children, non-wrestling fans who criticize this form of entertainment so they could see what professional wrestling is in its purest form. Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage, in front of 93,000 people, at the Pontiac Silverdome at WrestleMania 3 became one of these matches, became one of these moments in wrestling. In late 1986, the Macho Man Randy Savage defended his Intercontinental title against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on a WWF television broadcast. The match turned into a disaster as Savage attacked Steamboat before the bell and injured his larynx, dropping him throat first on the security railing, and then dropping the ring bell on his throat as well. Savage became an even bigger villain after the attack, while Steamboat was out of commission for months. So Savage had tons of heat on him as a result of this, and this just put fuel to the fire for this feud. Eventually, Steamboat returned to action and vowed ve- re- revenge, vowed vengeance on Savage for his heinous actions. He wanted to inflict pain on Savage. But more so, he wanted to hurt him by taking the most precious thing to him, his most prized possession. And it wasn't the lovely Miss Elizabeth, the first lady of professional wrestling. His most prized possession was his intercontinental championship. And that is what Steamboat saw would, would be the ultimate revenge. I'm going to take this man's most prized possession. I'm going to take his title. Savage held a title. A title that Savage held for 14 months at this point in time. Steamboat chased Savage all across the country until the stage was set. At the biggest stage of them all. The granddaddy of them all. WrestleMania 3. Very simple storyline. Very simple plot here. Savage attacks Steamboat. Takes him out of action. Takes away his livelihood. Takes away how he earns his money and feeds his family. How can he get back at this man? I'm going to take what's most important to him. For 15 minutes, they tore into each other, trading near falls, and just essentially putting on a wrestling clinic for everyone to watch. Chris Jericho made a comment that he watched this match while training to become a wrestler, even before that when he was just a fan. Him and his friends, they practiced this uh, this match move by move, spot by spot. You know, in today's wrestling world, a blood feud like this would have been settled in a hardcore match or an extreme rules environment with blood and weapons, you know, and extra violence and such. This was a simple feud settled in the middle of the ring in a wrestling contest. But here Steamboat, he chose to beat Savage by simply out-wrestling him, taking his title and hurting his pride. By beating him, not with a chair shot, but in the middle of the ring, one, two, three. And he did that. After 15 minutes of nonstop pure technical excellence inside the squared circle, Stebo caught Savage in a perfect cradle in the center of the ring to win the very prestigious Intercontinental Championship he enlisted George the Animal Steel to act as his manager for the, for the match to counteract any, any cheating by Macho Man Randy Savage. And we saw, we saw actually one of the extra entertaining points of this feud was George the Animal Steel's infatuation with the lovely Miss Elizabeth. Ricky Steevo got his revenge and the title that night and put a perfect fairy tale ending on a story that saw the villain come ahead on every turn during the story. Except the end. The consummate hero showed that good prevails. Always prevails out in the ring. And he did it in style. And he was humble. And I believe, I truly believe this is one of the greatest matches in professional wrestling history. And always, when March comes around, when it's Wrestlemania time, Wrestlemania fever, I always watch this match to get ready for the granddaddy of them all. (laughs) <laughs> but
0: the champion's still in control, now a small package by the dragon, they got him! they not believe it. History is made! You talk about a miscarriage of justice, Matsu, flagrant outside interference on the part of Animal Steel. History made here in the Silverdome Punt. Ladies and the winner of this contest, and new Intercontinental
1: Rookie, the trigger, Steve! Oh, a in Boxing match. Roadie Roddy Piper versus Mr. T from WrestleMania two. This is our celebrity
2: installment slash special attraction match of the Dream Card. It was a boxing match between Mr. T and Rowdy Roddy Piper. It was seconded by a real-life boxer, Joe Frazier. Piper was disqualified for body-slamming Mr. T at a minute 15 in the fourth round. This was, you could say, shadowed by an act dislike, a real-life feud between the two. Roddy Piper did not like Mr. T. This bled over from WrestleMania 1. Mr. T teamed up with Hulk Hogan against Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper, that was, you could say, the, the birth of the feud between Piper and Mr. T, and it carried over for the entire year, it carried on, and it went to actually WrestleMania two, one of three territories, Mr. T and Roddy Piper in the special attraction boxing match, wasn't, you could say, your quote-unquote five-star matchup, but it, it served its purpose, you know, it, it brought a lot of hype, a lot of attention to the World Wrestling Federation at the time. You know, had the, the Joe Frazier background in all this. You know, you had Muhammad, Muhammad Ali the previous year as, you know, a special guest referee uh, in the main event. And we saw actually a boxing, a, a boxing feel to WrestleMania 2 with this boxing contest. Mr. T being a part of Rock, Rocky III, you know, and you actually have the real-life tension between Mr. T and... And Roddy Piper being displayed during during the biggest event of the year for the World Wrestling Federation, and Roddy Piper would go on many years later to describe, you know, his his dislike for what well, Mister T, and even to this day, it was uh, it's a it's still uh, you could say uh, a comedy uh, a comedy piece or a side topic in professional wrestling, as I believe when when a guest host was this past year with the A-Team, and we saw Rampage Jackson, you know, who played Mr. T, uh, Mr. T's role in the A-Team, was on, was a guest host, and Piper showed up, and, you know, it was, he made a recollection to, you know, I want to knock out Mr. T, where is he, you know, so I truly feel that this was a special attraction contest, this was, something just to entertain the fans and to entertain boxing fans and you have to get the hot rod in the dream card for Wrestlemania
4: Well, I was in the Palm restaurant one time with him and you know them crown royal but when you get a bottle of crown royal it comes in a purple kind of sack so we're sitting in the Palm and Mr. T pulls up this purple sack and out of it he pulls up this big gold goblet with jewels on it and then he goes, boom. If it's good enough for Mr. T, good enough. No, it says, if it's good enough for the Pope, good enough for Mr. T. And then he orders a mimosa. I rest my case. <laughs> what a jerk. What's the Pope and Mr. T got in common? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. So, you know, he he was the world's toughest bouncer. But the, they went through a door and rang a bell. At the end, the door was balsa wood. You know? I'm a fighter. So he wanted to come in and play Mickey Mouse, you know, and I'm not Donald Duck, Yeah, you know, I'm for real. Quick story, uh, Rock- top of Rockefeller Center, uh, press conference, uh, I was uh, late, <laughs> the door was closed, and I come in the door, and there was Mr. Chi, uh Hogan, Vince McMahon, Orndorff, and my name tag, and I came in, and Mr. T flexed his arm, he says, feel that, he says, pretty hard, and I looked at him, and I squeezed his head, and I says, pretty soft, I didn't know you was supposed to touch him. From there on in, you know that? And yeah, you want it, you come get it. <laughs> uh, offer still stands. Well, he he had death all around him and didn't even know. You know, Orndorff, Orton, you know, Piper. Orndorff was a bad dude. Oh, yeah. uh, Orton too, fool. So like, anytime you wanted, we wanted to hurt him, you know, he's just too stupid to know that, and that's when you know you don't want to. You know, you, you don't want to hurt a person that's been touched by angels, because uh, I think you go to hell for that. I'm not sure. So he's just been touched by the angels, uh, uh, one-winged angels. Submission match: Brett the Hitman
1: Heart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin.
2: This one is. My personal favorite, there are some magical rivalries in professional wrestling that longtime fans talk about for years, years afterwards, and even years to come at that exact moment. Hogan Savage, Steamboat Flair, San Martino Zabisco, Austin McMahon, Rock Austin, you name it, those are just a few of many great feuds in professional wrestling history that many historians talk about to this day. As the 1990s went along, many more rivalries were added, and one of those most fondly remembered was Bret the Hitman Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bret the Hitman Hart was one of the the WWF's biggest stars in the early 90s, but was never really the company's guy. They were always looking for the next big star. They thought Hart would be the transitional champion during the so-called steroid era. You know, the bridge from Hogan onwards. And Hart was there to fill in those gaps until they found someone better. At WrestleMania 12, Hart lost the WWF Championship to the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, the company's next big thing, so to speak, the next big star. Hart took a sabbatical to clear his head, you know, regroup, and do some film and television work, and really decide his future with the World Wrestling Federation at the time. He returned to television in November of 1996 and announced he was staying with the WWF and he'd be facing the best wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation today. And he claimed that was Stone Cold Steve Austin and he'd face him at the upcoming Survivor Series. Austin was the new red-hot character at the WWF uh, at the time and was shattering the old company philosophy one cuss word at a time, so to speak, and one middle finger to boot. He was the catalyst for the upcoming Attitude Era that everyone speaks about to this day and destroy that good guy versus bad guy mantra. He was the shades of gray everyone talks about even to this day from both a storyline and non-storyline perspective, you know, Hart wanted to work with Austin to see if he had quote-unquote, it. If he could be the man, or the guy. And he wanted to make a superstar out of Austin during this process. It would be the start of a spectacular and wonderful rival rivalry between the two. That Survivor Series match, which I was there for, Saw Bret Hart win in a great scientific matchup, and it was only the beginning. I remember sitting in at ringside, sitting there watching, and I said, "Man, you know Austin, he he's good. He has, has it. I got, I get very few feelings with, with superstars, but when I have those feelings, I know they're going to be superstars. I felt that with Austin. I felt that with John Cena. I knew it with The Rock right after losing the Intercontinental Title." You know, I, I just sense it. You know, the one person I was a little apprehensive with was Brock Lesnar to begin with, but he proved me wrong. But that match w- was an excellent contest. With I, I believe the ending was Bret Hart being put in the Million Dollar Dream and the the famous spot now where he bounces off the top rope and falls backwards onto Austin, pinning Austin's shoulders to the mat, still in in that a Million Dollar Dream. After that, after the match, the rivalry just the that rivalry just escalated. Austin, the foul-mouthed, middle-fingered, uh, waving, bad guy, was slowly <laughs> gaining the, the traction with the fans and gaining their attention, gaining that fanfare. While the longtime hero, the one, the fans people loved, Brett the Hitman Hart, was becoming more of a whiner, a crybaby, and a complainer that the fans they grew tired of after a while. They were tired of hearing and complaining. The days of the clear, clear good guy versus bad, but bad guy was dwindling by the moment. And it was really becoming blurred and you saw those shades of gray starting to impl- implement in more and more of the superstars in the World Wrestling Federation. The stage was set for the culmination of this angle at WrestleMania 13, a submission match between Bret the Hitman Hart and Stoke Cold Steve Austin with brand new superstar, the ultimate fighting legend, Ken, they said Ken, Wayne Shamrock, in the middle of the ring as the special referee. The only way to win was simple. Make your opponent submit. Give up. No pinfalls, no countouts, no disqualifications. Austin entered the match still as the quote-unquote bad guy, the heel, while Bret Hart was still considered the babyface, the good guy. But the jaded Chicago crowd, always a hot crowd. Always a great town to to have a a huge, huge card in, especially at WrestleMania. They dictated a different response for both men. As As the match raged on, the crowd became more and more behind Austin, more and more enraged with Bret the Hitman Hart. Hart's mannerism slowly started turning. And this is what I loved about this match is because you saw these changes slowly happening during the match and you saw two characters basically doing a complete 180 and you, you saw the definition of a story being told inside the ring and it was so simple and done so perfectly and it had my intention during the entire match and just like some other matches I mentioned, This is one match I watch every single year during WrestleMania season. You saw Bret's mannerisms become more sinister and the crowd booed him. Mercilessly, Bret Hart took control of the match and Austin was forced forced to fight from underneath like any underdog does. So we saw the bad guy coming from behind now. Slow change happening. In the end... Hart locked Austin in his patented sharpshooter. Austin writhing in pain for what seemed like an eternity. It seemed like forever he was put in the sharpshooter. And the sharpshooter was locked in as blood poured from Austin's face. And that Raw magazine cover was taken from this famous shot. The blood perfectly coming down Austin's face. The drops of blood moving from his upper lip to his bottom lip. And you see the pain... On his face, the agony, that image of Austin screaming in pain as blood rained rain down from his forehead, has become one of the biggest, or one of the, one of the company's most iconic images. You know, and I truly feel that this was the turning point for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And what happened was. In the end, Austin passed out from the pain. He would not submit, he would not say those words or tap out. This is before the official quote-unquote tapping out actually took place in the WWE or professional wrestling in general. In the end, Austin passed out from the pain and Shamrock had no choice but to stop the match and award it to the hitman. You know, As Austin lied dormant on the mat, Hart celebrated his victory to a chorus of booze. He was celebrating after a man laying his, in his own blood unconscious. The bad guy, the heel. As they were booing, the baby face. The good guy. After the bout, Hart attacked Austin. That wasn't enough. That the heel Hart came out and he, he added insult to injury by attacking Austin. Shamrock then actually came into play here and forcefully pulled Hart off and dropped him with a suplex. The crowd started to go crazy. Hart left the ring as the crowd jeered him and booed him. Austin eventually rose to his feet and the camera stayed on him, and under his own power, he wanted to leave the ring. He didn't want help from any any of the officials, any, any of the referees. He wanted to leave on his own volition. And he received a hero's welcome. The fans were going crazy. Austin walked into the match as a villain and left as a champion, as a fan favorite, as a good guy. And the start of that, of that match would be the last time that Bret Hart would hear cheers from American audiences for an extreme, extremely long time. And it was the start of, I truly feel, the Austin era. It was the most successful and well-planned double-turn in professional wrestling history. It was, the, it was a monumental moment that helped shift the company's uh, paradigm. We saw it it was an an incredibly entertaining and well-put-together match on top of it, but we saw a change from Bret Hart from good to bad, from Austin from bad to good. The match helped set the the World Wrestling Federation down the road to a very successful Attitude Era that would follow shortly after with McMahon being the biggest heel in company history. And we saw Bret Bret Hart being exiled to World Championship Wrestling. And we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin being, you know, with with arguably the biggest draw in World Wrestling Federation history. This was my favorite WrestleMania match because this really defined what storytelling in professional wrestling is all about.
0: (laughs) I'd like to take this chance to get something off my mind that's been eating at me for a long, long time. I'd like to issue a challenge against one breath, the Hitman heart. I've decided to accept the challenge of the best wrestler today. I will face Stone Cold Steve Austin. It has come down to this in Madison Square Garden. The hitman Bret Hart has met his match. Wait a minute. There's a million dollar dollar Let's see what the hitman can do. Watch his back. Unbelievable. The hitman Bret Hart just tossed people up to the move. the likes of which he's never ever seen before. We have not seen the last of this extraordinary competitor, and I don't think Bret Hart has either. Be next, who will face Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yes, yes, drop the Hitman Hart. And Stone Cold Steve Austin slugging it out of the Royal Rumble. Boy, this is hellfire and brimstone. When these two get together, Austin's been eliminated. Wait a minute, the Rebel Breeze didn't see it. Oh, no, no. Austin has won the Royal Rumble, like it or not. Frankly, I don't really care what anybody thinks. I won the Royal Rumble. Stone Cold Steve Austin is in for the worst thrashing of his entire life. He won't be able to scream loud enough the words, I quit. At WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart, don't expect any less from me, because that's exactly what I expect from you. Anyway, it goes, it will be a hell of a fight and it will never be over. You talk about in your face, that is who Stone Cold is, and getting quite a positive response from this capacity crowd. And here he comes, a mixed reaction to a man who unquestionably has a legacy here in the World Wrestling Federation. Look out, here we go, here we go! The submission, man. Somebody's gonna give. You can't be counted out. You cannot be disqualified. You've got to quit to end the match. Sharp Tudor, he's got it on. Austin can't reach the rope. The butt, parry from the forehead of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin will not surrender. He will not submit. Submit, submit. That's it. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin. Austin has it passed. out. Austin, Austin never gave up,
1: but he passed out for the pain. Austin is out. The Undertaker versus the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25.
2: Once the two veteran superstars of The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were paired to match up in the 25th, anniversary of WrestleMania, I knew that this would not be a disappointment. I knew this was going to be something special and that we'll remember for years to come. And it wasn't even the main event. No title belts at stake. No championships on the line. Just two men with that that awe, that inspiration, with that desire to raise their game for big events like WrestleMania. The streak was on the line. Both The Undertaker and NHBK wrestled in the ring for 31 minutes in a back-and-forth contest that looked as if more than just pride was on the line here. Both kicked out of each other's finishing moves several times. Their facial expressions going from showing uh, from excitement to awe to shock. And The Undertaker expertly showed when Michaels kicked out of the tombstone twice he looked stunned he looked as if this is it I'm actually going to lose my streak is over there was doubt being shown on the Undertaker's face we talk about components of professional wrestling matches storytelling the ability to write, relate to the crowd you know, the ability to call a match and lead a match and also another art that is so crucial, are facial expressions in a contest. And seeing the facial expressions of both superstars is, again, just like Steamboat and Savage. This is a match to be studied for years to come by wrestlers young and old, superstars young and old. You, know, you want to learn how to wrestle? You watch Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Michaels channeling parts of his old heel persona throughout the match. Uh, was pleading to the ref to count out The Undertaker uh, in the one time that they were outside the ring. So you saw Shawn Michaels there just trying to get a victory, break the streak because he saw maybe I can't do it by pinning him. Maybe I can't show I'm Mr. WrestleMania by pinning him inside the ring, but I can get a count-out victory over him. And did The Undertaker land badly or what in that in that spot where he jumped over he jumped over that top rope and nearly broke his neck. It was so dangerous. It was so dangerous. And in the interest of the, to continuing the story that was being so beautifully told, it almost looked like he hit his head first on the mats outside. It looked like he, it was, his neck was broken. You know, And meanwhile, the cameraman was trying to catch him, which we all know was Sim Snuka. But it was mistimed and we thought the Undertaker was gonna be crushed and destroyed. Uh you know, I almost got a heart attack just but just by saying that alone. I can't imagine how he felt during that big spot of the match. But all in all, it was an excellent match and with all with all the near falls, no weapons, no extra gimmicks were needed for this match, no you know, no special referees, no run ins. This match was beautifully told, got the crowd engaged, and there was no way any match was going to follow this one and surpass it. And it was the only match that made you feel like you were watching something special and you were getting your money's worth. This was a Wrestlemania. This is the definition of a Wrestlemania match. (laughs)
3: Deal God Shawn Michaels quite simply is the greatest performer in WWE history one of the most athletic innovative wrestlers that I've seen Shawn well, Michaels is certifiably nuts he doesn't know the limitations of the human body, he's the little dog in the fight that nobody told is not supposed to be that tough he's gotten to where he's at by just giving it his absolute all every night They call him Mr. WrestleMania because quite simply, he steals the show at every single one of them. There's anybody that ought to face The Undertaker at the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. You're looking at him.
1: This is the main event! Of the Wrestlemania Dream Card. Icon vs. Icon. The People's Champion. The Rook vs. The Immortal. Hulk Hogan. From Wrestlemania 18. Flash forward to 2002. And World Championship
2: Wrestling. Out of business. And World Wrestling Entertainment. Now owned its remnants. It was announced that the original incarnation of the New World Order, the NWO, consisting of Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan, would all be returning to the WWE together as the NWO. The trio made their return on February 17, 2002 at the No Way Out pay-per-view. The loyal WWE fans hadn't seen Hogan in a WWE ring for over eight years. And they showered him with wild cheers and praises and applause, despite him supposedly... He's supposed to be playing a villain. You could see the emotion on Hogan's face, despite being masked behind the sunglasses... It was apparent right there that Hogan wouldn't last long as a bad guy. Over the next few, few weeks, in the build for WrestleMania 18, X8, we knew them, the NWO interacted with all the top stars in the WWE at the time, including The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was determined that Hogan would battle The Rock in a battle of the eighties biggest superstar turned movie star against the new millennium's biggest wrestler turned movie star icon versus icon movie star versus movie star. it was set to be the battle of the past versus the present, and any of the old any any sports cliche of old versus young you want to use and you think would fit in this situation. Going into the match, Hogan was positioned as the clear, clear heel and bad guy, while The Rock was supposed to be the the conquering hero, the babyface, the star. But on March 17th, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the fans dictated who was really the hero and really the star, really the fan favorite. As a side note... This was the first time that Hogan entered the Skydome as a wrestler since WrestleMania six since he lost to the Ultimate Warrior. It's safe to say that many of the same fans that watched Hogan versus the Warrior in nineteen ninety were now back twelve years later. I just watched the Warrior vs. Hogan a couple days ago in my you know, my mania preparation going down the, the history of WrestleMania and it was it was a tremendous match. You saw the you, what you thought was the p- p- passing of the torch to the Warrior at the time. And you got that, that main event feel with H- Warrior and Hogan. And this match had the same feel to it. I was there for WrestleMania 18. It was the loudest, the loudest match I've ever been a part of in terms of the cra- crowd reaction and the emotion. I had goosebumps throughout the entire match. I was exhausted after the three count at the end uh, with with. Such such emotion coming through me, and now twelve years later, after 1990, all grown up, those 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 kids with families and lives of their own, seeing Hogan return to the Sky Dome to face The Rock, the stare down between Hogan and The Rock was epic, as any scene in any action movie you could ever think of. The crowd was even, it was it was even popping. At the opening bell, the second the bell rang, the crowd went crazy, and that's when the goosebumps started, for me at least. The fans' nostalgia for Hogan grew as the match went on. They grew up with Hulk Hogan. That field took over, and every move he made was cheered, from body slams to a pose to an arm drag, you name it. The crowd was erupting. The more Hogan cheated in the match, the more crowd the crowd loved him. Hogan was trying to stay the chorus and be the heel, but the crowd loved him no matter what he did. And no matter what The Rock tried, the Canadian crowd booed him mercifully. And The Rock tried as well. He tried. But nevertheless, the two you know, consummate professionals switched up their game and switched up their plan mid-match and started playing to the crowd's reactions. The Rock starting to play heel and Hogan playing up to the crowd, which he, of course, loves to, loves to do. It was one of those matches that isn't technically sound or considered a five-star classic or a Steamboat Savage like we discussed. But it's a classic based on the story that was told and the cra- crowd's response and the role they played in that match. And the... T- the in turn, the impact that, was, that came after the bell rang, much like how a ball game can be swayed you know, by a crowd or by the fans' participation you know, in a Super Bowl contest, in a playoff match, in, in the NFL, an NBA game, you name it, this was kind of the same. You know, With a, a fully invested crowd, the match was turned up a whole new level. In the end, The Rock pinned Hulk Hogan clean in the middle of the ring to win the match, as he should have, as we all believe he should have. And it was a great moment, but the story didn't end there. After the match, I think an audible was called, and the two gladiators stood in the middle of the ring. As all the fans chanted Hogan's name at the end, the two men shook hands in a show of respect, and The Rock celebrated his victory. But unfortunately for Hogan... His NWO cohorts in Scott Hall and Kevin Ash didn't appreciate Hogan's mutual admiration with The Rock, and they hit the ring to attack their their now former leader, which I believe was impromptu, and it was on the cuff. They weren't expecting this type of reaction, and they called called an audible. The Rock returned and saved Hogan, the man he was was battling against, the man he attacked for weeks uh, verbally. The Rock came to the aid, of the Immortal One, and the two heroes celebrated in the middle of the ring as the past and present came together in that one moment. In the days and weeks to come, Hogan would receive a hero's welcome at every television taping he appeared on, including a 10-minute standing ovation he received from a, a, a a huge crowd in Montreal, Quebec, shortly after WrestleMania 18. The fans continued to support Hogan wildly after at every turn, and it led to him gaining one more WWE championship a month after WrestleMania. The fi- this final reign for Hogan didn't last long, but this, the nostalgia finally, finally started to wear off, and the spike in pay-per-view and TV ratings died down a bit with Hogan, you know, being in that role, everyone getting used to it, the nostalgia wore off, and it was, it was a great, I think, a great ending to the return of Hulk Hogan to the WWE. And to this day, Hulk Hogan is you'll you'll see him occasionally make appearances now on TNA. He's been a part of TNA and you know, his legacy I think was hurt a little bit by joining TNA because of the he wasn't able to devote full time to the company with all of his injuries. But this match with The Rock really cemented him as a legend and it got him back into the WWE family. And it for me being a part of that a part of that match as a fan watching the goosebumps on my arm being able to cheer Hogan Hulk up again and do the famous you and do the big boot to the rock and leg drop to me that was worth the price of admission alone and that was a Wrestlemania moment that I'll take with me forever because the crowd played such a huge part in that match and this is so deserving of being the main event of the Wrestlemania dream card <laughs>
0: The Hogan, and by God, he deserves it. Right. A classic.
4: consideration paid for by the following.
2: Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Stitcher is a leading mobile audio company that provides a revolutionary media service which allows audio content to be easily aggregated, organized, and shared on mobile devices. It features the most Up to date and relevant content in business, sports, politics, entertainment, and current events from the media industry's premier content providers. By focusing on the growing market for mobile content distribution, Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market. And the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. All produced by JJ All Cap Sexy, shows include Wrestling News Live, the Pro Wrestling Rewind, Unplugged with JJ Sexy, and of course, the flagship of the SNS Radio Network, Sunday Night Showdown. The SNS Radio Network is streamed at Justin.TV, AudioWrestling.com, SNSRadioNetwork.com, Skype, and Google Voice. Basically, if you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media. Jerome Willen provides Squared Circle Media to all pro wrestling fans. Squared Circle Media was designed to contain exclusive audio and video content. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. Pro Wrestling Ringside Radio contains news stories with analysis and opinions. And it is designed to be interactive by encouraging other fans to submit their own views of the top pro wrestling news stories. Pro Wrestling fans are encouraged to send in their thoughts from Live Raw, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling... Ring of Honor, and other independent wrestling events held around the globe. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net. Ringannouncing.com is the official website of ring announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of ring announcing. That's www.ringannouncing.com. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. The Jetpack, hosts Sean Beckerman and Frank Zintel bring you The Jetpack, the brand new podcast dedicated to the New York Jets. The Jetpack airs every week during the New York Jets regular season. Each show will discuss last week's game, the game plan for next week, and much more. It includes audio and comments from Jets players and staff, courtesy of NewYorkJets.com. You can find all archive shows at jetpack.libsyn.com and on iTunes. The Jetpack has blasted off fans. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com and in the title type, Advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time. Wrestling fans, I hope you enjoyed the WrestleMania Dream Card once again, or for the first time, if you're a new listener for Beyond the Bell, a great concept. And I like to redebut the dream card once again, maybe part two, new matches, you know, new superstars to include on that list. But it's a great concept. And I hope in the future, the coming months and years, of Beyond the Bell will possibly do other dream cards, a Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, you know, SummerSlam. So expect that in the future of Beyond the Bell. So, you can send me questions, comments, or hate mail on my differences or if I sound different back then to now, the first ever edition compared to now, going over 40 plus editions of Beyond the Bell. Uh, You can send questions, comments, and hate mail to btbwrestling at gmail.com. Fans, we have more audio for WrestleMania month coming up. Surprising, right? Over 10 hours of WrestleMania audio in the month of March like we mentioned we redistributed and you just heard it the wrestlemania dream card also this month you can listen to wrestlemania facts and stats the best and worst of wrestlemania which it's a great show macho mania the feuds of macho man randy savage at wrestlemania not to mention the horseman files we open our open up our vault to the horseman files year 1986 in celebration of their induction ...to the 2012 Hall of Fame. And speaking of the Hall of Fame... ...we look back at the other inductees of 2012... ...and the impact they made in professional wrestling. We'll also look back at the stories... ...behind Wrestlemania... ...my own specific Wrestlemania moments... ...as I've attended eight WrestleManias myself... ...the streak of Wrestlemania and the Phenom... ...and of course, we look ahead... we cap it off with our Wrestlemania 28 preview... Rock vs. John Cena. So much Beyond the Bell audio for you. Over 10 hours of audio, 10 episodes in the month of March celebrating the Super Bowl of professional wrestling, WrestleMania. We'll wrap things up with our old school theme of the week. This was one of my favorite WrestleMania themes from WrestleMania 26. I Made It by Kevin Rudolph. Great song, fits perfectly for WrestleMania where they finally made it to the big show. So, fans, for Beyond the Bell, I'm your host, Sean and signing off. We'll see you in just a few short days with more Wrestlemania audio.
0: Yeah, cash money, heroes, private jets, polish. Burn the smoke, Louis bags, they strap with a priceless glow. High life, flippin' and get some more. Paradise, the luxury, marble flow. When I hit, hit, me full of that cash. More money than I seen in a garbage can. Stunner Island, money in the power. That's how we do it, make it rain, make it shower. Top flow, big time, I'm doing big things. Over city view, ball short of new range. Flippin' on a hundred, poppin' throwin' hundreds in a new building. Top am hands uh, it feel good to be here, Weezy in the building, got this dream built, oh. young money.